Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. I'm excited for today. I, I, I really wanted to preach a message on Matthew 8, uh, a moment after the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus comes down and preaches this incredible message, preaches the Beatitudes that we just finished our series on. And I even started writing some of that out, putting some of my thoughts down to paper. And then I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to speak on to, uh, this Sunday? And I very clearly felt the Holy Spirit told, tell me something entirely different, okay? So our text today I'm going to ask you to turn to is Mark 11. I felt the Holy Spirit say, preach on fruit. Preach on fruitfulness. So buckle up, all right? Mark chapter 11. As you're turning there, let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our mothers. I thank you that they are wonderful, fearfully, wonderfully made in your image. Lord, would you bless them today? Would you bless them? Whatever, whatever, uh, in whatever state they're in, whether it's on a mountaintop or maybe a valley season, Lord, I just pray that your presence would draw close to our mothers, that you would be there, that you would comfort them, that you would love on them, that you would bring your, your joy and your tender kindness and your mercies to them. We love you, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would give us ears to hear this morning. I ask that you would open our hearts to what you want to say. We, we love your word. We are so grateful for your word because you are the living word of God. And we look to you in Jesus' name. You said amen? Yes. Amen, amen. I think you hold the mic when you live in the south and you just get more southern. Amen, amen. All right. All right. That's right, that's right. Mark 11, verse 12. This is a a little story, a seemingly bizarre story, passage of scripture that takes place right after the triumphant entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the back of a donkey, the palm branches, this beautiful moment. And then there's this little story here. Verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he, Jesus, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Say, nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Looking at this, this passage on surface level, this passage proves that Jesus was just like us. Has anyone ever been on a walk and gotten hungry? Come on, somebody. Come on. Jesus saw figs. You saw Chick-fil-A, but it's okay. Jesus is on a walk, and all of a sudden he's famished. We don't know how long this walk was necessarily, but he's, he's on this journey, and he becomes hungry. And from afar, he sees this fig tree. And this fig tree wasn't just any old fig tree, but this fig tree had leaves on it. This fig tree looked a certain way. And so Jesus approached this thing in his hunger and he came close to it looking for these figs and he found none. And this isn't, this, this story isn't some righteous version of Jesus being hangry. Oh, one person got it. Thank you. Come on. I put that joke in there for a reason, y'all. No, it's, it's terrible. It's a dad joke. I'm channeling my John Shunker. Where is he? There he is today. I love you, John. He's a big guy that loves puns, if you don't know John. Great man, great man. Anyways, this isn't just a, some righteous version of being hangry. This is a deeper meaning. This isn't Jesus being cruel, coming up to this fig tree and, and cursing it to be cruel. 
We know that Jesus is not cruel. He's not flippant. He's not unkind. But this is a rabbi being a good teacher, right? Anytime we kind of have a question mark and we see something in the scripture that's like, ooh, I don't know about that, there's probably a deeper meaning to be understood. And so we see Jesus coming to this fig tree. And what I want us to do, I want us to take a moment before we talk about that. We're going to read the story directly after the fig tree, okay? So if you're still in Mark 11, turn down to uh, verse 15. How many know the context matters surrounding a passage of scripture? Yes. That Mark wrote this account for a reason. He was writing this account for, God, for a Gentile convert, okay? And so Mark goes on to tell this, this other account. It says, then they came to Jerusalem, and they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who, brought, who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. This is not the godly fear, it's bad fear. <laughs> because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when the evening came, they went out of the city. So we see in this story, Jesus comes to this fig tree, and he, he curses it for not producing fruit. And then he comes to this temple, his temple that will... That the Bible describes, the word of God describes as a house of prayer. And he finds it full of money changers and lenders and those who are seeking to profit off the needs of others. And I want to, I want to pull something out of here because I believe that there's common ground in these stories. I believe that these stories are talking more about hypocrisy than anything. You see, the fig tree had the appearance of fruitfulness. It said that it was in leaf, so much so that Jesus, being, being hungry, drew close and looked for figs. And when he came to the temple, he found those that appeared righteous, those that appeared to be holy, those that appeared to love Jesus, but the wickedness in their hearts to simply profit off the needs of others was there. And Christ looks at the heart. There were things that we're trying to be something when the fruit was not right. <laughs> when we are saved into righteousness, the fruit of righteousness should be evident. It's not enough to have the appearance of fruitfulness, everybody. It's not enough to have the appearance of good intentions. And let me provide something for you to sacrifice. Let me sell this in the temple. It's not enough to appear one way. Christ looks at the heart. True fruitfulness. And I believe that there is a, a lesson here for us to not be overemphasizing, overemphasizing or emphasizing it at all, trying to appear fruitful over actual, actually being fruitful. Cursed is the fig tree that pretends to have it all together. Meanwhile, the fruit is wicked. The preacher that gets up on a Sunday morning and preaches and then goes home and beats their wife. 
person that goes to a small group and leads a small group and talks about Christ and then goes home and curses and swears and has all sorts of filth in their mouth. Christ looks at the heart and we can appear all we want, but that's not what, that's not what is being asked of us. We're asked to actually bear fruit, not to appear fruitful. And it's possible, it's possible to pretend, right? We can act righteous, we can come to church, we can dress up and try to look like we have our lives together. Or we can say, Christ, I have need of you. (laughs) Help me to be fruitful. Jesus, he loved the hot, he said, I wish that you'd rather be hot or cold. It's the lukewarm things that he spits out of his mouth. Just saying. This is not a gospel of pretending. This is not a gospel of wishful thinking. This is a gospel that challenges the way that we live. All right. Genesis 128, the creation mandate is laid out for us to be fruitful and... All right. Y'all know it. Come on. To be fruitful, multiply. Romans 7, 4 through 5 reminds us we have died to the law through Christ so we can belong to Jesus and we no longer bear fruit for death, but now we bear fruit for God. Who do we bear fruit for? For God. Matthew 25, we're not going to read it, but Jesus is telling a story about the kingdom of heaven and he tells the story of the parable of the talents. And a master that leaves different talents to his servants and he, he goes away and he puts them in charge of their talents and their, the one thing that when he comes back, the one question is, were you faithful with these talents? Did you multiply them in some way? There was an expectation with the gift that was given. There was an expectation with the gift that was given. All right. Antoine, I am saying it, man. I am saying it. it's a requirement on our lives isn't it salvation is free but it will cost you everything because you can't go back to the way you once lived you can't go back to the way you once talked you can't go back to the way you once behaved in public or in private We're expected to be fruitful. Tell somebody, you are meant to be fruitful. I want to say first and foremost, to be fruitful, we need to, as believers, we need to examine our roots, everybody. We need to examine the roots of our lives, the place, the foundation that we build our house upon, as it's also put in the scripture. On a rock or on sinking sand. What is the condition of the soil that you are stretching your roots into? Good soil. Antoine saying good soil. The rest of y'all, I'm not sure because you're not telling me. Antoine, you just make it easy, man. You're killing it today. What is this condition of the soil that we're stretching our roots into? Is it full of righteousness? Is it full of him or is it full of wickedness? Is it full of poison? Is it full of ill thoughts, (laughs) perversion, 
Luke 6, verse 43 through 45 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, and nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, and nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your soil will be your fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Good can't produce bad and bad cannot produce bad. Jesus spoke to this when he was accused of delivering demons with the power of Beelzebub and by the power of the demonic. And he said, two kingdoms divided against itself cannot stand. It cannot stand. It's not possible. And so Jesus is coming after the hypocrisy of trying to appear fruitful whilst not actually producing fruit. It's possible. You can do it. And he's not unkind. I love this, this passage here we just read. He's not expecting figs from thorn bushes. He's not expecting grapes from brambles. No, but it's like because we've been saved. There is an expectation of the believer to walk in the character and nature of Christ. And the great news is it's a joy. It's a joy to co-labor with heaven. It's a joy to say, God, what do you have for me? What kind of fruit do you have for me? How can I be fruitful in my life? And to, to partner with Jesus, to partner with Holy Spirit. So what's the condition of your soil? Paul said in Colossians, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Is our soil full of the things above or is it full of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, slander? I'm just reading Colossians, rage, malice, filthy language. It's important for us to remain sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because he will lead you and he will guide you. And he'll, he'll come and he'll whisper and he'll say, hey, that, that show you're watching, it's not doing you any good. Or that book you're reading or that, that music you're listening to or that friend you're pursuing, you need to take a break from. Because they're having more influence on you than you are on them. And your character is not there yet. There is, <laughs> we must be attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Y'all ever been called out by Holy Spirit? Come on. I remember in, I don't know, sometime in grade school, I was, the Holy Spirit showed up and he said to me, he said, Aaron, we need to dial back the sarcasm. I want you to give it up. And I was like, no, Lord, not the sarcasm. (laughs) All the Southerners that don't understand sarcasm are like, man, well, you shouldn't be doing it. But for me, the Lord challenged me and I remember Three times in my life, the Lord said, I, I, want, I want you to give that up. I want you to pull back because you're entering a place with your sarcasm that's not of me. And there's a measure of it that's healthy when it's in check. But I was passing that line in Holy Spirit's opinion. And so I'm like, all right. And we need to remain open and say, Holy Spirit, search me and know me, oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Reveal it to me. Heal me. Show me. One of the big 
temptations of this generation is idolatry of man. That we idolize fame, we idolize being an influencer, whatever that means. We idolize likes and crowds and people and over Christ. When we, if we want to be fruitful, we need to idolize Christ above all things. We have to stop looking to the approval of man and look to the approval of Jesus. We have to stop looking for the reward of man and look for the reward of the one. Jesus called out this religious thinking in Matthew 6. I want to read a little here. Verse 5 through 6. He said, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Say, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. That's where he is. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Matthew six sixteen through 18. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. Can you imagine doing this? They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Come on, say it again. They have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The reward of the secret place must be greater than the reward of man. The reward of the secret place must be greater than the reward of man. To hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. To come before him. You have been faithful little. I set you over much. Come enter the joy of your master. I was spending time with a friend. I was spending. Come on, buddy. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Woo. What does the Bible say? Unless you be like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like one of these. Um, (laughs) I spent some time with a friend. Call him a friend because we had a great time. It was our first time. A a gentleman in this church. I I decided not to use names, but I asked him if I could share this story. And we were spending some time at Jason's Deli down in Briar Creek getting lunch together. And he said something that all week has sat on my chest like a ton of bricks. And this gentleman in particular was uh, in ministry for 23 years. Very successfully awesome pastor, great man of God, evangelist, all sorts of things. As Paul says, you know, he could boast of many things, but he chooses not to. And so this is a man like that. And over the last, I believe, if I get it wrong, forgive me, this person. (laughs) But I believe for the last 20 years it was, he's been pretty much a full-time caretaker to his wife who has faced a lot of medical issues. And so we're connecting, we're sharing hearts, we're having a great time. And he says to me that he realized his reward in heaven for taking care of his wife would be greater than all the years of ministry. And I about like, 
burst into tears and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it all week. It's like, because it was this window into the heart of God that's like Jesus. My reward in the secret place when nobody is watching, when I'm not on a stage, when I'm not holding a microphone, when I'm not in church, when I don't have the congregation saying, great word, pastor, or whatever, that I'm more rewarded for this place where nobody sees me, and that is enough. (laughs) All right, Antoine. The reward of Jesus, the reward of the secret place, the reward of nobody is watching, but I still serve you. I still choose you. I still listen to you. I still follow you. So what's in our soil? What's in our soil? John 15, verse 1 through 5. In fact, turn there with me because it's a good one. Y'all doing good? I love the topic of faithfulness and fruit. It's like one of my favorites. So God said, preach on it. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Antoine's already quoting the verse. All right, man. I don't even need to read it. Verse one. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Say more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. I was reading, I was reading this passage because I, I thought of it because whenever you're talking about fruit, this is the one, right? And I, we talk a lot about the vine, but I thought it would be fun to look up the job description of a vine dresser. So I'm going to read it to y'all. Is that cool? I would have done it either way, but thank you. Um, I'm just... I'm just grabbing all the low-hanging pastor jokes today. <laughs> it's terrible. Lord, help me. Dialed back. All right, this is the job description. Although the idea of working every day in sunny vineyards overlooking rolling hills seems romantic, the job itself is physically demanding and tiring, particularly during harvest season when vine dressers work 18-hour days. Come on, the Father's working hard for us. Springtime is also very busy because dormant bare root vines must be properly planted, watered, and composited to get a good start. Dead wood on perennial vines must be pruned and hauled away. Throughout the growing season, the vine dresser works hard to keep up with fast-growing vines that require regular pruning. Other duties include soil testing, irrigating, weeding, and fertilizing. Vine dressers must also be ever vigilant to ensure that plump, juicy grapes, tell somebody next to you, you're a plump, juicy grape, or the fruit of your life is a plump, juicy grape at least, are adequately protected from birds and marauding animals. Y'all didn't expect to get called that in church today. 
Vine dressers also develop and implement pest control programs and inspect plants for signs of fungus or disease that can destroy a crop. That preaches on its own. I don't even need to add much, but we don't just get the vine. We get the vine dresser, everybody. First, we get the source of life himself, the breath in our lungs, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And then we get the tender, loving care of a good, good father, the vine dresser, who comes and he brings his spirit and he prunes us. And he says, hey, pull it back there. Hey, bring this in. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. And when he sees marauding animals and he sees things that would come to steal, kill, and destroy, those dominions and powers of darkness that we face, he is protecting us. He is, he's fighting them off. He's fighting battles you're not even seeing. And he's protecting us from disease, from weeds, from all sorts of things. And one of the most overlooked things is he's pruning us for fruitfulness. In order to be, in order to, I think, truly receive him and receive his pruning, we have to have the heart of humility and surrender. That we have to be ever present of our need of him. That we're not trying to be like the fig tree and trying to appear fruitful, but we truly long to be fruitful. And that we can humble ourselves and say, Lord, like John 15 says, apart from you, I cannot be fruitful. So, Lord, I need you. I need your presence. Help me to be fruitful. Show me what it means to remain in you. Teach me your ways, O God. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's an easy question, but it's would you rather be opposed by God or given grace? There's only really one right answer. (laughs) I believe that humility is one of the great qualifiers of the fruitfulness of the believer. That humility is almost the the condition of the soil and how fruitful you can be and God can use you. And it's not as if God's unwilling to use you. God's God. He can do as he sees fit. He He can do whatever. He can use anybody. But it's that we're no longer shutting the door to him or shutting off certain areas of our life to him being like, not there, not there, not there. But we're actually completely surrendering, laying everything down and saying, that means that song, Alabaster Heart, all my heart, all my soul, all I own, you can have it all. And humility truly, truly, truly is the gift of usefulness and fruitfulness in our lives. Pride says, I have no need of you. But humility says, I can't do this without you. Pride says, I have no need of correction. Humility says, vine dresser, please do your thing. Prune me, correct me, guide me, lead me. Pride says, I know best, I'm an expert. Humility says, the plans of man are foolishness compared to the plans of God. God, I choose to know nothing apart from you. Teach me your ways and help me be fruitful. If we want to be used by God, then we need to surrender our pride and pick up our cross. About a month ago, maybe, we were having a team night here with John and Carol Arnott. It was a great time. And I'll be a little vulnerable for a second. Is that cool? 
once again, I was going to do it anyways. Um, <clears throat> stop it. <laughs> well, I was at a team night, and I was just hungry for the Lord. And one of my weaknesses, y'all ever heard that phrase, like, your strength overemphasizes your weakness? Well, one of my strengths, I'm going to say this, but I'm not just talking about myself for no point. I have a point here, Okay. One of the things that I like to think is a strength of mine is being relatively self-aware, being aware of a situation, being aware of myself. But overemphasize that looks like being critical on myself and being hard on myself. Does anyone relate to that? Be honest. Yeah. It can be hard, really hard on myself. And so I'm in this place. I'm at this team. I'm hungry for the Lord. And I begin to say, Lord, Lord, I want another measure of your presence. I want an impartation today. And so the Lord says, go, go behind John or not and begin to minister after him. And so... The Lord says it, I obey. I'm going down the line and I'm praying and I'm ministering and I'm working my way down this way and I'm making my way back this way. And I come to this friend, Doug. My friend, Doug, I don't know if he's here today. Doug, are you here? What's up, Doug? And Doug pulls an Uno reverse card on me because I'm supposed to be praying. I'm supposed to be praying for Doug. And Doug begins to grab me. He grabbed my forearms and he just begins to prophesy and pray. And before I knew it, the presence of God came over me in a way I hadn't experienced in a long time. And I was on the floor weeping and crying and laughing and just the myriad of everything. And as the weighty presence of God fell on me in this moment, and sometimes this is the condition of the heart when the holiness of God falls. Because he is holy and he is worthy and there is the fear of God. And so the presence of God is sitting on me and what comes out of my heart, right or wrong, is, um, what was it? I wrote it down just in case I forgot it here. Uh, oh, that's right. I just begin to say, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And the Lord just like lovingly kept saying back to me, but I can use you. I can use you. I can use you. I can use you. And it was in this place he was reminding me, obviously not to the point of self-sabotage and self-inflicting pain and being critical on yourself. I'm not saying those are godly, but I am saying there's a measure of our weakness in which his strength can truly shine. It's in the scripture. And through humility, by through saying, Lord, I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do this on my own is the very thing that qualifies us to do the thing. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the cult. And when I was a terrified teenager, 20-something, 21, maybe 22 years old, coming here to be the youth pastor over 10 years ago, I was terrified. And my dad reminded me, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the cult. So humility is the qualifier, everybody. Humility is what we want to inject into the soil of our lives. Not to be the expert, but to surrender. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How many want God's power to be made perfect in you? <laughs> All right, work on being weak. Therefore, I will boast. <laughs> Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. This is Paul. I will boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, 
then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 1 Corinthians 2, 2 and 3, I decided, this is Paul speaking again, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the great apostle Paul who was taught in the Torah, who was taught in all sort of religious manner, who knew everything that was to know, who was the most religious. He, he had all that he said, I could boast in myself, but he chose not to. I chose to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. Verse three, when I was with you and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. I just love that the scripture put in there. I've always appreciated that, that it's honest that Paul was freaking out, that he was doing the work of the ministry. I mean, this is like Paul. This is Paul. <laughs> Come on. If you've, if you read the new Testament enough, he's a big deal. And he was, he's trembling. He's scared. He's chose to know nothing. He chose to not rely on his own strength, his own knowledge, his own to, to fall back on simply what he could do and know and say and to rely on Christ to show up in a demonstration of power. It's almost as if the, the more we know, the harder we have to work to surrender what we know and say, I know nothing to say, and it's good. It's good to learn. It's good to grow. It's good to read the word, but also to never, to understand that we are always learning and growing and we are never the expert. And that is simply Amen. Christ. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Y'all live. Yes. <laughs> I always love when Bill Johnson said that. So I just stole it. Are you alive? He would always go. <clears throat> so each one of us has this calling to be fruitful with our lives. And we can be fruitful right where the Lord has planted us. Whether that's in our businesses, our cities, our jobs, our neighborhoods, our church, whatever it is. We, we get the joy of being fruitful. <laughs> I'll remember this. Remember uh, in grade 11, I was in Mozambique. And this, we were about to leave on this trip. Uh, we had been doing work in an area that had just been flooded. And people lost everything, lost their homes, had no food. And so we were delivering food. And there was this guy with us, this prophet. And he said, I want to prophesy over you. And he did what any wonderful prophet would do. And he said, the Lord has a great plan for your life. But because of that, he wants to work on your character. Which is like a bit of a... And so the Lord wants to work on my character. And I remember I went back that summer from that trip. That's the, the only thing I remember from this word. I went back. My friends told me about this job opportunity, work, working with um, people with exceptional needs with the disabled. And I, I did the job interview. And I remember in the interview, the one thing the guy said, and it was, it will definitely build your character. And I, in that moment, as an 11, like 11th grade kid went, okay, Lord. And I said, yes, and I did it. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did. But it's, will we submit to his leading, to his guiding? Will we humble ourselves and say, Lord, build me, strengthen me, build my character has anyone ever prayed the words, Lord, help me to remain humble? And then the Lord actually followed up on your prayers. 
and the challenge of being humbled came or being called out for pride or arrogance, probably by your spouse, all the moms in the room, maybe whatever, calling us out. So how can we be fruitful with our lives, everybody? We love praying over our kids every night. Give them love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. My kid tells me I already, always say it out of order, but I'm so used to praying it every night out of order that now I just say it out of order. It's all good. It's all good. Don't be offended. I got them all in there. <laughs> one time we joked and said sushi. Unless I miss one. I'm just going off the top of my head right here really quick, okay? We joke and we add sushi in. I don't know why Jude just said it one time and now it's funny. Uh, he doesn't even like sushi, so I don't know why we'd pray it over him. Um, but that's the kind of fruit in our lives we should be demonstrating as believers. Fruitfulness, fruitfulness, fruitfulness. So how can we be fruitful? I think for some of us, this might be a season where the Lord's asking you to kind of enter the, the weight room, if you will. To get in the word, to get in prayer, to listen to his voice, to have a season where you're like, you know what, Lord, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to appear one way and I no longer want to do that. I need to connect myself to the vine and to allow the vine dresser to just begin to lead me and guide me and teach me. Or some of us, maybe we need to chase after our fears and you know you've been called to do something, but you've been running away. Chris Valentin has that little phrase. It's, it's so, it's kind of catchy, but it's always stuck with me. The dogs of doom stand at the doorway to destiny. Kind of like it's a cool way to say, like, though sometimes the very thing that you're afraid of is the thing that God has called you to, into. <laughs> Not always, but sometimes. And sometimes getting up and leading a small group looks is terrifying, or going to speak to your neighbor about Jesus is terrifying, but Christ has called you to it. So maybe we need to, Run after our fears. Maybe we need to lay down our, idol, our idols before the Lord. Said, I laid down my idols. I've been idolizing the fame of man. I've been idolizing the opinions of man. I've been trying to get famous. I've been trying to do all sorts of things. I've been trying to earn the, the approval of my peers, of my neighbors. And I lay it down at your feet, Jesus, today. I connect back to you. Show me what fruitfulness looks like. Or maybe some of us are completely ill-planted. And in fact, we've taken something on and once again we're pulling a Jonah and the Lord's saying, you've planted yourself in the wrong place. The wrong job or the wrong whatever it is, right? And we actually need to step into what God has for us. Now with that, I'll throw a caveat out there if you will. I believe we can be fruitful wherever we're planted. As believers. That we can be fruitful in any job, in any place, in any family, in any situation, in any business. It's, it's sometimes people hear a message like this and they're like, I gotta quit my job. I gotta move states. I gotta do something radical. Right? But that's not always the case. Probably for most of us, that's not the case. I'm talking about those of us that have accepted a reality Christ doesn't call this to, and that's a little different. Have allowed ourselves to be planted where we're not supposed to be. But most of us, we can be fruitful right where we are. Maybe you're an intercessor and you need to start doing prayer walks in your neighborhood. 
Come on, God bless the intercessors. Maybe you need to start a small group or start inviting your neighbors over for meals. Whatever it looks like. I think sometimes as well, church is a great place to find that. I throw that out there. Our youth team was a family. We were the young adult ministry before there ever was one 10 years ago. And it's like all the young adults just came and served the next generation. And it was so fun to have this purpose to pour into these students, to help them to know the love of Christ and to do it as a family on mission, which is the picture of Jesus and his disciples. It's not just family for the sake of family, but it's family on mission. And that's the joy of co-laboring with Christ that we get to live in our lives to be fruitful and to co-labor with Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand. begin to attune to the Lord again. If you will, just close your eyes. Come before him and just pray that prayer like David. Search me and know me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, would you search us? Would you know us today? Search our hearts, Lord. Would you speak into the condition of our soil? Are we... (laughs) consuming all sorts of things that are slowly pulling us and leading us away from you or resetting our mind on things above. Lord, show us where we're stretching our roots. Maybe even it's a person or a friend group or whatever it is. Holy Spirit, would you show us? Lord, I ask that you would challenge us today with your word. Even as we probably already do, I feel challenged. That our lives should have your fruit in them. To be a people full of love and joy, peace and patience. Patience being such a low commodity these days. Lord, show us how to be patient like you. Show us how to be wronged like you and still patient. Lord, I thank you that you have great things in store for each and every one of us. Great ways that we can be fruitful. Would you just begin to reveal to us how to step into all the fruitfulness that you have for us? I'm going to invite the ministry team to come forward. And I have one simple invitation this morning. I felt the Lord say in the first service that there was permission to kind of, if you will, take our masks off or take our burdens off where we've been trying to do it in our own strength 
we've been trying to appear fruitful. And what we really need is just to connect back into the vine of Jesus Christ and to receive the vine dressers pruning and fertilizing and weeding and all of it. And so in a moment, when we close, if you, if you just need somebody to pray with you, to pray for his presence to come and fill you up because we cannot be fruitful without him at all. And if you need more, if you need a fresh touch of Jesus today, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Lord, I bless this day. I bless this week of this church family. Lord, I thank you for them. Thank you for all our moms in the room. May our lunches and dinners and our plans be awesome today. May we have such great time of deep fellowship and love for one another. May we begin to, even from this message, to live out patience and kindness and love with one another, even in our families. Lord, may there be a renewed sense of love and patience for one another. That children would be patient with their parents, knowing they're trying their best. That parents would be patient with their children. Lord, would you teach us to be fruitful with one another? Help us, exactly. Help us, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.